Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear from Jeremy Hine as he finishes up the Book of Philippians. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Amen. You may be seated. And I will ask um, fourth and fifth graders, you are dismissed to, to go to our children's ministry here during the, our, our, our sermon time this morning. Um, morning, uh, Missio family. Uh, for those who don't know who I am, my name is uh, Jeremy Hine, and uh, I find it a, a great privilege to, to be part of uh, the, the Missio family. Uh, guess what, though? I, I can't believe I get to, to share this with you. I, I got a little secret. I don't know, anyone in here like secrets, right? Uh, I, I, I like secrets, right? I like to be in the know. I like to share things that sometimes other people don't know. And, and I, I want to let you know this. Pastor Josh is gone today. Did you guys realize that? Pastor Josh is gone today. Um, and, and number two, uh, if, if you figured that out already, uh, there's a little bit more to that secret. Uh, and in fact, um, I, I've heard this. Uh, and actually, I did confirm it, so it's not a rumor. It's not gossip. Um, the fact is that he, he, went, he went deer hunting. Yeah, he went deer hunting. He went back home. Uh, he went north, almost to Canada, to, to go um, and, and hunt some deer. And, and um, the thing is that some people call it deer hunting, and, and other people call it a, a time of refreshment. But, 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 but nonetheless... Uh, um, he, he's gone, and, and he asked me, he says, hey, Jeremy, would you be willing to, uh, to bring forth uh, the, the message today? And I, I said, I, I would love to. And he said, I said, you know, what, what do you want me to share? And he said, could you finish up uh, the book of Philippians? Uh, so we've been working our way through, through, through Philippians, and, and um, I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy uh, to share the, the final thoughts. And so with that in mind, I'm calling this message the secret. And what do you think of that? I, I, I don't know. I think it's a little creative. I think it's a little clever. Um, because I think there's something significant that, that we will see in this passage this morning um, that's a secret. And it's a, a secret um, that is worth sharing. Um, just, just admit it. You know, when it, when it comes to sharing secrets. And the moment that I said I have a secret about our, our pastor, most of us stop. We stop what we're doing. We, we stop every activity and we, we put our full intention to the one that's sharing. We, 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 we find it very important to, to be in the know. We, we find ourselves excited when we get to hear something that, that maybe we, we didn't know. And today, I have a secret, and very few people know the secret, and they very few believe in the secret. And I'm really excited. Like every good secret, I'm excited to share it with you this morning. Uh, but before we do, mind if we pray. Uh, Father God, I, I come to you, and man, I, I, I listen to those songs that we, we, we just sung, and um, they all just speak of a an amazing God in whom we serve. Uh, they all share about uh, the battles that, that we find ourselves in, um, in this journey that we call life. And they talk about the, the way in which we, we pursue you in the midst of these battles and how you have provided and you have prepared us and you have put people in our lives to, to battle alongside. And I, and I, say, I, th I say thank you for the, the Missio family. 
uh, that, that we can battle together and that we are prepared by you uh, to meet the challenges that we face. And so, Lord, I pray as, as I bring forth your word, Lord, I, I pray that it just points to an amazing God. And Lord, just grant me the words just to share how amazing this passage is to these amazing people. We pray this in your name. Amen. A, a little background or a little bit of context um, before I reveal my, my, my secret to you. You know, Pastor, he has been teaching us about how the Apostle Paul, he provided insight into to happiness, uh, into healthy communities, into joyfulness, in, into contentment. Um, in, in fact, as we look through the book of Philippians, it's almost like the author Paul, as he writes this book, which is actually a letter, he, he is saying that, that I want you to imitate the very way that Jesus approached his life. And, and we found ourselves trying to understand why, why Paul, he, he had such a, a positive, a, a very optimistic, he had a very positive attitude towards life. Um, he had the ability to, conce- to convince himself as well as others that, you know, things might be, seem hard right now. There, there might be challenges that are part of your life, but they are never a reason not to be joyful. And he would say things like, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He would say, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. He would say, do not, not that I've already obtained all this or that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on towards of that of which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He would say words like, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And now here we are at the end of of this letter, and I sit back and I think, Paul, you gotta be crazy. Like, like you're crazy, Paul, if you, if you really believe that. This type of thinking or, or acting, it, it, it might be worthwhile, but, but is it even possible? Or is it? And, and if it is, Paul, I'm asking you to tell me more. Because I don't know, I, I don't know about you, I kind of want to live this, this example, the, the, these words in which Paul is speaking. I want to see that in, in my own life. So here we are at the end of a letter, and it's like a, it's like a satisfying meal, right? A, a, a meal where, where you're stuffed. A meal that you've been filled to the brim with delight. And then all of a sudden, you see a dessert cart come by. And, and there's this triple truffle cheesecake, and all you think is, yes, please. And, and that's what I think of the, the, this, this, Philipp, this book of Philippians. It fills with all these things. And then, and then at the end, Paul just says something that is so absolutely beautiful and, and uh, delightful. And it's really, an, it is exciting for me to bring this, this final dessert because, ooh, it's so good. It's, it's so good. And so let me read this for you. Um, uh, and so I'm in Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to start with verse 4, but we're going to do something kind of unique. Uh, when I get to verse 13, I would like you to read the rest with me. Can we do that? 
I know it's a little bit of a challenge, a little bit hard trying to be all in sync, uh, but, but I think there's a, a good lesson to be learned as we, as we read this as together as a church. So I'll start with verse 4. When we get to 13, um, that's when we'll, we'll read together. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. If you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. But that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how it is to be brought low and how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So please join with me now. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippine, otherwise known that in the beginning of the gospel that I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with your spirit. Well, did you see it? Did you, did you see the, the secret that was actually given to Paul by God? Uh, which Paul has the responsibility to, to share with this church in Philippi. And, and today, as, as being secondhand sources, we, we get to enjoy the secret as well. Paul says that he has learned a secret, and it is connected to this idea of being content. It says he has learned and knows how to be content. I, I read those verses and I'm amazed at, at how Paul handled his, his situations, his expectations, his fears, his attitudes, his actions, and his thoughts. Uh, very different than how most of us maybe are challenged with those very thing, things. And he tells us the, the reason for it. He says, number one is, you got to know. 
And a lot of times people don't know. And then he says, you know what, and, it, and it's not easy because it's actually something you got to learn. And some of us hasn't taken the time to actually learn this. It, it doesn't come by accident. It, it is very intentional. And Paul says, what I'm telling you, you got to be intentional with it, with the secret. And he said uh, he has found a, a way, learned a way, he knows a way to be content. This man who wrote this letter is in prison. He, there is no legitimate reason why he is there. Uh, in fact, he's falsely accused of a crime. Uh, he, he sees himself changed to a, a royal guard as, as if he was a danger to society. Uh, he is rejected by his own Jewish people. Uh, he is very limited to food, limited to water, lizard, very limited to visitors. He finds himself with no luxuries and no conveniences. And we, I have to ask, why was this part of his story? Why was this suffering? Why was this, this, these challenges, these circumstances, why are they a part of his life? All that he had done is trusted a man named Jesus with his life. And he learned very quickly that following Jesus is both very rewarding, but it's also really, really, really tough. Uh, being a, a prisoner in those days, it, it required dependency upon the outside world. And, and that's what he's saying here. And that's why he's thanking this church, uh, um, these people, because he's, he's acknowledging that he had received a gift from them. And we see that in verses, verse 10 and verse 18. He says, verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly now, that now at length you received your concern for me. Right? You, you, you took notice of me. You, you had a concern for me. I'm thankful for that, that, that you noticed me and that you, had, you saw my needs. And then he says this, verse 18, for I have received full point payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you have sent. So why is Paul thanking this church in Philippi? Uh, because they had this mutual concern for one another. Uh, they had a, an, an openness to, to serve one another. And I, I could really do a, a sermon alone on, on this idea. Um, and, and I don't want to speak on, on behalf of, of pastor, but I, I think that's what Pastor Josh's hope for us as, as a church is, is that we have a deep concern for each other and openness to serve one another. Um, that, 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 that we not only want to serve one another on a Sunday morning, but that we want to serve one another and our community outside these walls. And that's what's happening in this, in this community. They're seeing needs within and needs abound and, and, and they're willing to step into those needs. I think there's also something that's really interesting here is that uh, he talks about there was a moment where they had not the opportunity. And then he finds himself with the opportunity. And, and so it's, it's based upon the extent of our opportunities. Sometimes we can and sometimes we can't. But, 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 but for some reason, at this very moment, Paul acknowledges that at that moment, they showed an extreme amount of generosity. They, they, they seized the moment that they had the ability and the opportunity to, to pour in, into Paul. And he is just, he's thankful. He, he's, he's happy. With all that being said and all that background information, it leads us to discovery of the secret. But before I tell you the secret, there's a few things you need to know about the secret. 
Um, there's a few things that, that, that are important before I, I tell you what the secret is. And um, it reminds me, and you're going to laugh, it reminds me of the movie Gremlins. You remember Gremlins years and years ago? It's like, you know, that, that, that moment, and it said, I got a gift for you. Okay, give me the gift. And then he said, no, no, there, there's some rules that, that, that must be applied before I hand you this gift. You know, uh, you can't feed them after midnight. You can't get them away. You can't put them in the sun, right? And that's kind of how I feel this morning. It's, it's, it's uh, that I have a secret to share, but before I share the secret, there's, there's some conditions that, that need to be discovered about, this, about this, this secret. And the first thing you need to know about the secret is the secret does not require more. The secret does not require more. I've already read this, but it says, starting with verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in every and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hungry, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There's a story of a, of a man that was sitting by on the beach looking at the waves of the ocean and a businessman walked up to him one day and he said, what are you doing? He's just, just, enjoying, just enjoying the beauty of the waves. Well, aren't you a fisherman, he asked. He goes, yeah, I'm a fisherman. Actually, I went out this morning, already caught a few fish and I decided to come back in and, and just enjoy, enjoy, the, enjoy the sunset, enjoy the beach, right? And the businessman said, well, but, but Why? Like, well, like, why would you do that? Why, why wouldn't you go out there and catch more fish? And the fisherman said, you know what? I caught enough. I, I don't need anything else. I, I, am, I'm, 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 I have plenty. And he said, well, uh, the businessman goes, well, but, but, but what if you go out and catch more? Uh, and then, then maybe you could sell the extra fish and, and make a little, little side money. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? And the fisherman uh, then said, then What? Well, you know what you could do is you, you could maybe hire a couple of your buds to come on the boat with you, and they can f- catch fish. And so now instead of one person catching fish, you've got three people catching fish, and, and, and you can make a lot more money. And the fisherman said, then what? Well, you know what? Uh, maybe all the money that you're now making, you can actually go out and buy another boat. Or, or, or maybe you can buy a fleet of boats. And the fisherman said, then what? He said, well, then you know what you could do is you could have a complete fleet, you know, all these employees that are now working for you, and you can find yourself maybe creating a, a fish packing plant. Wouldn't that be cool? And the fisherman said, then what? And he said, you know what? Then at that very point, you can sit on the beach and look at the waves and the sun come down. And, and he looked at the businessman, and he goes, and that is the very same thing I'm doing right now. Uh, you, you see, we have the, this mind that, 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 that contentment means more when, it, when in fact it has nothing to do with more. The definition of contentment is not more. Uh, in fact, um, I have a definition up here. Um, this is from an uh, interpreter's dictionary of the Bible. Um, and it says this, it's, it's the exe- acceptance of things as they are. That's what contentment is. It's the acceptance of things as they are. And, and I love how it adds. It says, as the wise and loving providence of a God who knows what is good for us, who so loves us always to seek our good. 
And so what is content, contentment? By definition, it's, it's trusting. It's accepting things as they are, knowing that I have a good God that, that, that's looking over me, and he has full wisdom, he has full resources, and, and, and it's out of his goodness that he provides for his, his creation. And so let me ask you a question. What if your life was 100% filled with God's goodness? Like I'm talking about like, Complete joy. Uh, I, I'm talking complete peace and truth and gentleness and, and relationships and beauty and love and strength and generosity. Would you then be satisfied? You might say that, you know what, Jeremy, I, I, all my needs are met at that point. And, and, and yeah, I, I would be satisfied. But my question beyond that would be, do you think you would ever have the feeling of wanting more? Do you think you would ever try to search for more? Do you, would you start wandering and trying to find what you think is the, the next best thing? If you think no, I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 1. Um, you know, what we see in Genesis chapter 1, uh, God creates a beautiful, organized structure out of darkness and chaos. That's, that's how God does it, right? He, he brings order. And, and so that life can be content and it can flourish in, in God's perfect, good environment. And he, he commissions his, his prize creation, us, us humans, as his rulers over the earth to take care of what is God calls is good. Right? You know, I've never had a perfect job before. I never have. Um, but I don't know, for Adam and Eve, this sure sounds like a perfect job. Right? This sounds absolutely amazing, working on behalf of God's goodness to bring goodness into this world. Uh, this had to be an amazing experience filled with overwhelming joy and peace. What more would Adam and Eve need? Well, get, get to Genesis chapter 3. Um, we, we meet a deceiver, a creature, a fraud, an artificial substitute of good, and he's trying to ruin God's good world. He's trying to distort what God has created as good. He's creating a, a feeling for the, the need of more. He's trying to create artificial contentment in the idea of more. You see, it's God that says, I provide, I'm enough. And it's Satan that, that says you need something more. That's not, that's not enough. And what we find is that Adam and Eve, they, they choose to believe that God was holding back on them. They, they chose to believe that there was something more. And that what God was providing was not enough. And they lost their contentment because they wanted more. And, and as the story continues throughout the Bible and into our lives today, we, we, we find that the idea of contentment is both a physical and a spiritual battle. It's, it's both. Um, but it's not an unachievable fantasy. Uh, because I think it is possible uh, to live with joy and peace and truth and gentleness and relationship, beauty, love, strength, and generosity. And I want us to understand today that, that what commitment, uh, con uh, contentment looks like um, and that it is more than providing needs that are based upon the natural and, and materialistic world. God says no. Don't, don't, don't get caught up in that lie. 
It's, it's not your gift that makes me content. Right? That's what Paul says. It's not, it's not your gift that's making me content. It's, it's not about more stuff. In fact, it's not even about circumstances. I love this. He talks about this gift and he talks about circumstances. How many of you would say if only something would change, then you would be content? I think we all do that. What circumstances are you facing that you feel is a good reason for lacking contentment? Um, if, if something would, would, would change in your life, then you could have contentment. Uh, what, what about your health? If only something would change in my health, then I, I'd be content. Uh, what about our finances? If only we had a little bit more, then, then we could be content. Uh, what about a stubborn child? If only my child would change, then I, I'd be content. What about a stubborn parent's children, eh? If only my parents would, would change, then, then I could be content. <laughs> well, what, about, what about my work situation? What about my school? What about a needed vacation? What about a, a new car, a, a new house? If I had that, then I'd be content. You know, over the weekend, I'm like, God, can I please have new Christmas lights that work? Then I will be content. But, but you know what? We all try to find circumstances that will make us more content. And Paul uses the words in verse 11, whatever situation. He says in verse 12, in any and every circumstance, I've learned to be content. None. There is, there is no good reason not to be content, according to Paul, because of the secret that he has. Uh, imagine how, how, how you could handle the, the problems you face. What, what, when, when life throws things at you that you're like, oh my word, I don't know how to handle this, but it doesn't change the way in which it takes away from your joy and peace and truth and gentleness and relationships and beauty and love and strength and generosity. It doesn't affect that. My contentment needs to be interwoven into something much bigger and something much better than, than stuff and circumstances. According to Paul. The second thing that you need to know about the secret is, is that the secret has nothing to do with your strength. The secret has nothing to do with your strength. Um, you have to trust God's strength more than your own strength. That's what Paul tells us. Philippians 4, again, verse 11, 13. Um, For I've learned in whatever situation to be content, I know how to be brought low and how to, to abound in, every, in, in any and every circumstances. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hungry, abundance and need. And then he says these words, which all of us probably know, we've heard a thousand times in our life, I can do all things through him who strengthens us. I can do all things through him who strengthens us. You know, the, the word here in this passage that's um, at verse 11 there, I am content. Um, the word content in Greek here is autoarchus. Autoarchus. I think it's up there. Um, and so English content, Greek, autoarchus. Um, autoarchus is actually a compound word. It's actually two words. Um, the first one is auto. Like, not, not like automobile, but, but like autoimmune or um, autonomous, right? This idea of self, self-governing, self-control, right? So, so what we look at this, um, basically what, what Paul is saying is um, contentment is, 
is very much self-satisfaction, self-sufficiency. Okay? Um, and you're kind of like, okay, wait, wait, that, that doesn't sound right. Um, are you saying, is Paul saying that joy and happiness are found in the self? No. He says he knows where his self-sufficiency comes from. He actually has a high regard to self. He understands his worth. He understands his strength. But here's the thing. He does not acknowledge that his worth and his strength comes from him. He understands his worth and strength have nothing to do with him. They, they come from God. That's what Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. I can have this self-sufficiency. I can have a high value of, of, of myself and not, not in a prideful way, but in a very humble way. Why? Because Christ strengthens me. It, it's, it's about Christ that, that gives me value. It's about Christ that gives me strength. I'm not lacking worth. I, I'm not lacking strength. I, I have a significant amount of strength because of, because of Christ, because of God. It's not about my strength. It's about the strength that God gives me. It's not about my perceived worth. It's about the worth that God has placed upon me. You and I are not self-sufficient. We are dependent. Uh, you might think you're self-sufficient, but, but man, you're, you're, you're dependent. Um, you cannot sustain yourself. Um, uh, you are dependent upon gravity. You are dependent upon oxygen. You are dependent upon water. You are dependent upon food. You're dependent upon the Vikings, right? You, there's so much more that, that you have to be dependent upon. And, and it kind of actually shows our, our, our vulnerability, not our self-sufficiency. We are very vulnerable as humans. Only God is self-sufficient. God is in need of nothing. He doesn't need anything from me. He doesn't need anything from this world. He, he is self-sustaining. And it is through him and in him that all things are possible. Those are Jesus' words in the book of Matthew chapter 19. You, can, you can't do it on your own. But I can do all things through him, God, who strengthens me. This is probably one of the most beloved verses in the entire Bible. But it's also probably one of the most misused and misunderstood verses in the entire Bible. Um, this verse, uh, what I hear, I've never really go to gyms, um, uh, but, but uh, I hear this verse is in, uh, on a thousand walls in, in gyms across America, right? Uh, it's used by Super Bowl head coaches during, um, during the, 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 the pep time talk. Uh, it's used in conference rooms, it's used in motivational talks, and it's also used in unrealistic church sermons. Um, and let me give you an example of this. Um, I go into the gym, which again is kind of a weird thought, but I, I go into the gym one day and I, and I, and I tell myself, you know what, I, I see the, 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 the weights over there, I see the little bar, and I see the weights on the floor, and I'm like, I'm going to bench press 300 pounds today. Feeling good, right? Uh, so I go and I put the, put the little whatever weights on the end of the bar-y thingy and, and I, I lay down on the bench and, and I'm ready to grab the bar and, and bench press this and, and somebody says, stop, wait, you need help. Let me spot for you. Whatever that is, right? Uh, but let me spot for you. And, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say that over and over and over and again. And with all my might and all of my prayers and all of my speeches I, through Christ, I, I pick up that barbell and it falls flat on my chest. And, and I have failed. I have, I have failed miserably because I cannot bench press 300 pounds. So does that mean I'm not trusting God enough? Does that mean I'm not praying hard enough? Does that mean that I'm doing something wrong? Does that mean that I don't have God's help in my life? I don't know if that's what this verse means. Actually, I know that that's not what this verse means. Let's move that from the gym um, and let's replace it with a job. Or let's replace it with a disease. Or let's replace it with a, a relationship. If I quote this verse over and over again, will I be healed? Will I get a better job? Will I have a relationship that will amend? Maybe, or, or maybe not. If my condition doesn't get better, but actually gets worse, uh, will that make me more discouraged? Possibly. Is it possible that I start thinking that, that God's not real? Or that God's not true to his word? Or that I shouldn't trust him? Because I, I didn't get better. I didn't get the promotion. I, I didn't get these things that I, I was hoping for, that I was, I was praying about. And, and here it says uh, that, that he gives me all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Did I fail? Did God fail? Really? Do you think you can do anything you want to do? Or have the outcomes that you want to have? Uh, and you have God's acceptance and provision in it. Are we really trying to get God to give us what we want? And it kind of reminds me of back, um, there's a number of years ago, there's a book, it was called Cat and Dog Theology, and it says this, a dog says, you pet me, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me, you must be God. While a cat says, you pet me, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me, I must be God. Right? <laughs> Uh, and I, I hope that you can see the, the difference here. And, and what Paul is, is trying to say, he, he's saying you can do anything that God wants you to do. One says, I'm in charge, and the other one says that God is in charge, and, uh, and I don't want to be mean, and, and I, I hope you know that I want to be sensitive to, to all your needs and, and all your sufferings here this morning. But God doesn't serve our, our selfish agendas. He is doing what is best for us to get us exactly where he wants us to be. He is determining what is good for us, and I'm thankful for that. His definition of good is far better than my definition of good. And he's initiating a journey that gives us strength and resources to be content with anything that life throws our way. And better than that, he's living within us. Right? And that's why Paul can say, it doesn't matter if it's a valley or a mountain. It doesn't matter if I eat enough or I'm hungry. It doesn't matter if I'm in abundance or need. Why? It's going to be okay. I can take a deep breath. I can say it's going to be okay. Why? Because it's not my strength. It's God's strength that is equipping me for the challenges. So quickly, what, what is the secret this morning? Now that we got the the, the, the little conditions behind the secret out of the way. What is, the, what is the, the secret? The secret is not an if or when. 
The secret is not an if or when. The secret is a person. And there would be no joy stealer in Paul's life because Christ lived in him. I have a God in me, so I am content. And that is the secret. We see that Philippians chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. It says, my God and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and the glory of Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The great American evangelist D.L. Moody, he once said, God never made a promise that was too good to be true. And I want you to see a promise like a miracle. It doesn't exist by itself. It doesn't exist by Floyd. It points to, to something or someone. If you focus on the miracle and you acknowledge, without the acknowledgement of a miracle maker, guess what? The miracle itself is pointless. It points to someone that is greater than the miracle. If you ever have a miracle happen in your life, because I truly believe miracles still happen, um, don't get caught up in the miracle. Get, get caught up in the, the miracle maker, the, the goodness of God, the character of God that, that, that intervenes in, into human events um, and, and says, so be. It points to someone greater. And the same is with the promise. If I make a, a promise to my wife or I make a promise to my kids, I, I hope that they find more joy in the promise maker than in the promise itself. Uh, the promise tells you something about the character of the one who has made the promise. And this could be quite possibly the, one of the greatest promises in the entire Bible. Because uh, it doesn't say my God provides some of my needs. It doesn't say my God provides a few needs. It doesn't say my God will provide most of my needs. It says my God will meet all of my needs according to him. Uh, if you're living in God's will, being faithful and obedient to him, you have every reason to believe that God will meet your needs. That's what it says. And this tells us more about God than, than our needs. It tells us that we have a, a renowned God possessing an infinite amount of riches filled with magnificent and great beauty and he knows exactly what is best for us. Man, if I start focusing on my God rather than my needs, I, man, I could see his beauty, see his riches. And I'm so extremely thankful for this promise. But man, it's really hard to distinguish between wants and needs, isn't it? Uh, what I think is a need, from God's perspective, he might say it's a want. Or uh, it might be really, really hard to realize this, but what I think is a need right now, it might be God saying, yeah, you're right, it is a need, but not yet. Uh, the, the secret that Paul learned was that contentment is Jesus. It's an unwavering belief, hope, trust in God because he will keep his promise. That's who he is. And there's no substitute for God. So why should we even try? Why should we even try? You know, true contentment um, is, is it's a secret in this world. Because most are, are missing it. Uh, few practice it. And many are masking it. 
Because they, they view it as an if and when, and they don't see it as a person. Each of us, we, we find ourselves needing and, and knowing something more than our life's experiences. We, we try to fill our lives with, with, with stuff. And in fact, what we need to fill our lives with is a knowledge that I have a God who made me, knows me, loves me. He wants goodness to abound in me, around me, and through me. He, stand, he understands my strengths, my talents, my weaknesses. He reveals to me that I am lost without him and everything with him. He has hold me, uh, and he has prepared a home for me. And he accomplished this all by sending his son to the cross, an undeserved death in my place. And he holds me in his hands forever. With that knowledge, my dependency on everything else disappears. And that's why Paul has this unbelievable sense of contentment. I want to bring the, the worship team back up here today. Um, we're going to finish our, our last song. But because my secret in contentment is not an if and a when, and because my secret is a person in Jesus, and if I believe that all I need is Jesus, guess what? I will be content. Thanks again for listening, Monsieur family. And we'll catch you again next week.